This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, I am fired up today because we have Professor Tom Davidoff. Professor Tom Davidoff. I'm not counting episodes, but I think he's been on- He's a five-timer. He's at least a five-timer. He's a five-timer. He deserves a jacket. He's like the Alec Baldwin. I feel like I've actually said this before about Tom Davidoff. He's the Steve Martin. I think we've done this before. Yeah. (laughs) He's definitely not the Martin Short. I think this is literally. Have well, we done this? We've done. We've this. done this. Okay, let's not. Let's not go let's down not, that. Let's not do this. that horrible joke. Yeah, but secret is confirmed. Secret, secret has is giving confirmed. us the. You, you, we've made this joke before. Move on. Shut up. You've done this. <laughs> um, but this is a phenomenal episode, Matt. And there's so much that comes out of having uh, Associate Professor Tom Davidoff on from UBC, Sauter School of Business. And most of our guests will know him. He's a fan favorite, but uh, I am excited about this episode. Yeah, you know, and it's always great to get Tom's uh, Tom's take on the market. He also makes predictions, which is nice. Right. Uh, he always puts his hat in the ring and uh, and he's got some wrong before he's got some right. Some bold ones today. Some bold ones today. So stay tuned for that. But this is a, this is a great conversation as always with Professor Tom Davidoff. So yes. stay tuned for that. 
What else? We're just hot off the live event. Yep. Mark Ting was at the studio last Vancouver night. Vancouver Real Estate Live. Yeah. And we had uh, Ramey Films, Ramey from RameyFilms.com joining us last night. And, and he is the guy who's doing our video marketing. And he does some beautiful, beautiful films. He does some beautiful films. And let's just say that was a great time again. Man, these things seem to be growing. Right. They are. Absolutely. And we had a great turnout. Thank you, everybody, for coming and your questions. And, and we uh, also, if you didn't if you didn't see it, we sorted out the, uh, the question, the perennial question. Question, stocks versus real estate. And I learned what stocks are. It, it turns, <laughs> it turns out they're out not it's still real estate. Yeah, not, <laughs> not related to soup. <laughs> but really, Mark is a, is a guy uh, on the CBC Weekly. He's a, he writes for the CBC, but he's also a partner at Foundation Wealth. Sure. So there's nobody better than to spend an hour talking about diversified portfolios Bright and guy. all the rest. Yeah. So, so if you missed it, Go to YouTube, Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. Look for the live event. We're doing these monthly. If you want to ask questions and you miss this one, we'll have Mark on. It's a fun time. It's fun to hang out. We got an hour. The hour flies by. That's right. And uh, yeah, ask your questions, hang out, have a beer. The live events are great. What else do we got before we get to Professor Tom Davidoff? We have the Oakland tip. So this is Oakland Realty, our brokerage. Been there about six months. Yeah. This place is really, it, I, I was excited to, to move and it exceeded my expectations. It is a phenomenal, great people over at Oakland. You know what? It really speaks to how a culture really shapes something. But the Oakland tip this week, if you're selling a tenanted property, i.e. you are a landlord, make sure that you provide adequate notice to your tenants. Right. So if somebody's moving in and you have to give notice to your tenants, make sure they're getting the proper notification. The Residential Tenancy Act requires that you give it in writing, and that's not writing by email or text message. Make sure you go over to the Residential Tenancy Act and follow those rules. For sure. Because that can come back to bite you, and you want to give everybody proper notice. And you know, uh, here's a little pro tip. Uh, There is the Residential Tenancy Branch hotline number, and I'm going to give that number right now, 604-660-1020. And we use this all the time because the people there at the Residential Tenancy Branch they're very easy to deal with. They're very knowledgeable. And they answer usually on the first ring. It's like, nobody's calling today? Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, hi, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. And yes. they actually are here to help. But their answers might not be the ones you want to hear. But no. they are very knowledgeable and they're quick to respond. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah so, sure. so so nice little addition there to the Oakland tip, Adam. We have a tip this week as well. Yes, we do, Matt. Uh, our tip this week is to go back and listen to episode 42, Six Ways to Find a Deal in Any Market. And I should say this is one of our most discussed episodes when people reach out to us. They love this episode. And we've had so many people reach out and also send. We had somebody send like an infographic, a di- a, a, yeah, which was like great. a diagram. They diagrammed that episode. It which was phenomenal. Was, that was early days for the podcast. And I think when we got that diagram, it was... It was uplifting. It was uplifting. That's it still right. still sits in a, in a... You uh, have it framed. In a frame in my bedroom. Yeah, because you, you were the one who trademarked the classic... Learn to love no photos. Yes, yes. And you'll have to go back to episode 42. But the reason we bring this up is friend of the program, Andy. Yes. And we didn't get... Uh, we didn't get permission to say his last name. That's so right. We're so gonna we're, just we'll, we'll just say with... Andy. Andy just sent a message on... He just scored actually an incredible deal. And you actually... This is funny. I feel like all the deals we talk about... You're, you've actually run the numbers on this, this I, property. You I ran the numbers. Property. I knew this property. Andy got a great deal. Andy just got a great deal and he basically said, hey, listening to your last podcast, I was reflecting on how I use the VREP tips to score what I think is a great deal in downtown. So what we want to do is he actually literally spells out 
some of the tips he's learned on the show. Let's do it. A lot of them from episode 42, but let's just read these ones. Here were the tips I used for this purchase. Number one, pictures were really bad. Yeah, learn to love no photos or uh, horrible photos. That's that's episode 42 for sure. Number two, not staged. Yeah, always stage. Always stage if you have a vacant unit. Number three, sellers were out of towners who use this property as a vacation home. Yeah, don't hassle me, I'm local. <laughs> I think what he's implying there is with all the new taxes, he found a motivated <laughs> yeah, seller. <laughs> I, I didn't. I wasn't listening. I just heard out of towners. Number four, sellers wanted the property sold quickly. Yes. Again, motivated, motivated. motivated seller. Number five, luxury vacation homes are getting hammered right now with the taxes against foreign buyers and vacancy. The pied-a-terre is, uh, is over, Vancouver. That is that is definitely the case right now. Number, what is this? Number six. Resale versus presale. Vancouver House elevated the price per square foot for that area. Yes. This is waterfront with a private elevator for less than the lowest price per square foot at Vancouver House. Fantastic. We we love that one. The area Believe is the on hype, the uptick. And Believe the hype. Uh, number seven, emerging energy center. Momofuku coming to the area. New fresh market in London drugs. Chandelier art. Nowhere close to an energy center right now, but it intends to be one. And it will be one. Have you seen yeah. Have you seen the new fresh market at the bottom of Vancouver House? Honestly, I mean, it, only Vancouverites get excited about fresh oh, produce. Yeah. But man, is that well, no, it's a, it's a It's a good spot. It's a nice spot. The London drugs is now open there. You can actually feel that place oh, totally. getting peopled. And that's what they sh- say. Yeah. Getting peopled? I think is so. That, yeah, and, chandel- and the chandelier too. I, I just saw it the other night. It's kind of awesome. I, I have – That's a that's a polarizing statement. a polarizing statement. statement. We're not going to put that on Twitter, but you – No, know, exactly. And and regardless of the price point, it's a it's a very neat installment. The end takeaway there is uh, Andy's, Andy's got it dialed here. Yes. Last, employment hub. Rentals downtown, especially waterfront with private elevator, are few and far between. Buying a unique property, right? Yeah. I mean, that that is a unique property, and you got a good deal. So congrats again, Andy, and uh, and it's so awesome that you've actually – yeah. we've known Andy for a while. He's obviously been listening for a while because he's back and he's citing stuff from episode 42. But it, this, is, this, is a, this is a success story for everyone involved. For sure. And, and we should say too, Matt, we've got people that reach out from all across the United States and Canada who are investing in real estate who have benefited from the tips on this show. And we always love to hear people implementing these tips abroad. So if you've, if you've actually operated an other markets using these tips and you've gotten them from our episodes. We'd love to hear you from you and uh, maybe we'll read a few more letters on the show. That's right. So congrats, Andy, but maybe we should cut to our talk with Professor Tom Davidoff. This is, as always, a good one. Can't wait. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Tom Davidoff, Associate Professor at Sauter School of Business, UBC. How are you doing, Tom? Doing great. And you guys? Very, very good. Thanks so much for taking the time today, Tom. And uh, yeah, for coming back on the show, fan favorite past guest. Uh, so good to have you back. Yeah, it's a real treat to uh, do this. Uh, I love catching up on the market with you guys. Oh, it's great. No, and, uh, and, and Tom, for a lot of our listeners, obviously they know who you are, but uh, can you just remind people, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm a housing economist here uh, at UBC. I arrived in 2009. Uh, you know, over the course of my career, I've had an interest in uh, property taxes, aging, reverse mortgage, life annuities, long-term care insurance. Uh, 
Uh, and of course, as the housing crisis uh, took hold in the U.S., that took a lot of my time. I got to spend a summer working uh, in the Obama administration trying to think through responses to that. Uh, I got to UBC. I thought it would be a quiet environment to do research, but of course, housing as a policy issue has blown up here almost uh, to the extent it did in the U.S., and so I spent a lot of time on that. Uh, my view has always been Vancouver should be a high property tax, low income, low sales tax jurisdiction. And so uh, what became uh, the BC speculation tax was sort of a politicized way to move in that direction. Right. Yeah. You were basically a, a, the architect, I think some would say. I, I'd like to think so. I, I got a lot of other economists to sign in, but along with David Eby uh, giving some guidance about how to make it work at a political level, I, you know, the idea started with me uh, and uh, you know, germinated with colleagues saying Lee and Sir Somerville as well, I should give credit to. Right. So that's actually kind of an interesting, uh, interesting point to, to jump off on here because I just got in the mail the my speculation tax uh, renewal here by the end of March. Um, it's been in effect for a couple of years. The market seems to have, have really ramped up in the last four to six months. Uh, are you surprised by the current level of sales activity? Yeah, you know, I was waiting, I have to say, and I probably said it last year, and uh, we'll just add it to the pile of wrong predictions I've made uh, on your show in particular. <laughs> I thought condo was going to be trouble. I thought, you know, there's tons of units under construction, thousands and thousands. You know, they were pre-sold at a peak of a market, uh, you know, largely in 2017 and 18. Uh, you know, I just thought it was a lot of supply to handle in a time when the stress test and all these uh, demand measures by uh, the provincial and federal governments uh, have come in, and local government. Uh, but no, you know, the market just keeps rocking, as you guys will tell me. You know, pre-sales aren't working, uh, but the standard, you know, resale market for condos is uh, very, very strong. You know, inventory was getting to be about 5,000 uh, in greater Vancouver. Uh, for condo, it's now down to 3,000. So, uh, you know, the shoe certainly has not dropped yet. And with continued immigration and very low uh, interest rates and family formation among millennials and a strong tech economy here, maybe the shoe doesn't drop after all. Hmm. Is that so? You just kind of outlined uh, a few of the things that uh, are very positive for the market. Is that kind of looking back now and thinking about failed predictions? Because you weren't alone in, in thinking that uh, we were in some trouble there. Uh, is that are those the reasons you've come up with as to why it didn't go the way that we thought? Well, interest rates obviously matter, and they've stayed low for a really, really long time. You know, a lot of listeners uh, probably don't know that interest rates used to be seven, you know, percent double digits, uh, and to have you know the ten-year Treasury today down again into one point thirty-three. You know, it's really low. That's a very low level. And if you think about it, inflation is about 2%. Unless supply goes bananas, which it's very hard for it to do here in Vancouver, rents are going to grow faster than inflation. So if you have an asset that has a growth bigger than your discount rate, that that's a very high valuation you put to that asset. And, uh, 
you know, you had the factors driving growth, immigration, household formation among millennials. I think Vancouver is going to continue to be a great place uh, for businesses to locate. If you think about an economy that's very reliant on smart, you know, uh, young, young talent. You know, I, I think uh, it, there's certainly a world in which rents never stop growing. But again, you know, that that looming inventory, I'm not ready to write it off as a done deal either. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Tom, we, we've been talking a lot lately about just how low inventory levels are right now in Vancouver. Any thoughts on, on why inventory is so low? Well, you know, uh, with single family, inventory hasn't piled up, even though the market is weak. And, uh, you know, some sort of folksy wisdom there would be if you didn't want to sell in 2017 when prices were 15, 20 percent higher in some markets, why would you want to sell today? Uh, but in the condo market, it's a different story. You know, condos didn't have the same dip at all in response to all the demand measures that single family did. Uh, and again, we've got a lot of completions coming. So that suggests uh, that uh, when these units are getting completed, uh, people are not failing to deliver on, on closing, even if they bought it at, at a very high presale price. Uh, the units may be getting rented out. Uh, maybe they're just getting end user uh, owners, uh, maybe a little bit of Airbnb here and there. Uh, but but even with the empty homes tax, speculation tax, foreign buyer tax, uh, the looming inventory and the inventory that's been completed, like Vancouver House, is not leading to a surge uh, in resale activity. So, so two ways to take that, Tom. Uh, one is, have you just mentioned all the policies? Uh, I think we're all surprised by how busy the market is here. Uh, just going back to to the spec tax and empty homes tax and and uh, foreign buyers tax, have these have these policies worked? Have they have they been successful in your mind? Well, foreign buyer is maybe my least favorite of the taxes, you know, and that has nothing to do with economics. It's really just a personal preference that I don't think it's nice to, you know, get into ethnicity, country of origin if you don't have to. And I don't think you do have to, which is where the empty homes and speculation tax come in. Those taxes, I think they did have a bit of an impact. You know, I think there were probably fewer empty units than people thought, you know, for a long time. People said, I know every house on my block is empty. I can tell. Well, if that were true, you know, you'd think some of them would be paying the empty homes and speculation taxes, but the fraction of properties paying those taxes is very, very low. You know, empty homes is a big deal. Uh, You know, you get to be a bigger percentage of all properties when you get into this sort of super luxury condo market. A building like Vancouver House would be where you'd have a relatively high rate, Uh, but new buildings don't tend to be empty, you know, uh, and... I think part of the reason for that is the new taxes, uh, but also, you know, a lot of Vancouver has been uh, end user probably more than people knew. Uh, but I think the taxes, those taxes have had some impact. The thing is, especially the foreign buyer tax, but also the empty homes and speculation taxes, I think their impact has been concentrated at the higher end of the market, especially the foreign buyer tax. And unfortunately, you know, you can make uh, the British properties 15 or 20 percent more affordable, uh, but that doesn't really solve uh, the problem of, you know, entry level condos and townhomes uh, and Fraser Valley single family being out of the reach of a lot of the workforce. And one thing we've talked about a lot uh, on on the show here has been the price compression we've kind of seen over the last couple of years, um, where you know, and we said it, it there was a it was a guest um, 
uh, a while back who said soon enough everything's going to be a million dollars in Vancouver. And and we have seen, you know, considerable price uh, compression. What does that, what does this look like if the the entry level sort of stays buoyant uh, and then, but we're seeing this continued, continued decline on the, on the high end. Like where do we go? Do prices go down? Do prices go up? Well, uh, again, you know, there is the demographic bulge of household formation that may slow down. You know, my kid's generation, I guess will be, you know, relatively small. Uh, I, I was actually thinking about this recently you know, in the seventies, I think when the baby boomers were coming of age, everybody said, well, that's it for the suburbs. Everybody wants to be downtown. Gas prices are high, but you know, by the eighties and nineties, those, those older households decided that when they had kids, they wanted to, you know, drive out to the suburbs to be able to afford the bigger house with a yard and what have you. Uh, is there going to be a cultural shift that that's dead? You know, when the millennials come of age, I don't know. And I don't know how, how much longer we have a bulge of, you know, younger houses households with small or no children who are pretty happy with condos. But as a matter of economics, you know, you can build more condos. You really can't build more single family homes. So I think there's a decent argument that we're looking at mispricing, that condo has gotten too close in price to single family. Uh, And in the long run, it's the land that's the scarce resource. And especially within the city of Vancouver, you ought to see single families start to outperform condo at some point. But but the issue is liquidity. The money in the market, I think, the demand for homes is uh, among people who just can't afford a $2 million property. So getting the ratio of condo price to single family sort of correct, I think that's a challenge. And just from like a, a, the uh, the economics kind of at a at a level of, I guess, a theoretical level or whatever, like if the building costs are, are what they are, um, I can't imagine the prices are going to, are going to decline much at that entry level. So like the price, the, the prices seem skewed and off, but do you see how that plays out? Well, you know, you're right. Construction costs are really high these days. You know, I think there was certainly in the U.S. And, you know, I I certainly remember numbers like 100 bucks a square foot. And, you know, people talk about 500 bucks a square foot all in for condo in Vancouver. And, you know, that's a half million bucks for a thousand square feet with no land. Uh, And of course, land is very scarce here. So, you know, getting to true affordability is is definitely going to be a challenge. Uh, But again, you know, if if the economy weakens, you have to think some of those high construction costs is scarcity of labor and contractors. So, you know, certainly you could have a downturn where both people aren't interested in building so prices could fall below replacement cost and uh, replacement cost itself would fall. Mm hmm. Tom, in just thinking about the market right now, like we seem to be going on another run here in Vancouver. Do you think we've bottomed? Well, again, you know, forecasting is a fool's errand, and it's an errand (laughs) I've gone on on this show several times, and ex post looked foolish. So why not go for it again? Uh, You know, I mean, I think we had measures that depressed the market in a way that should have been short run, right? The empty homes tax and speculation tax discouraged people from having empty homes. Some of them probably did have empty homes and they either sold them or rented them out. And that put some downward pressure on prices and rents for a while that was able to absorb some of the growing demand. The stress test 
I think has had its worst impact because, you know, it makes you accumulate a bigger down payment before you can buy. So you're locked out of the market for a while, but then you find a way, you know, uh, alternative lender or you save up for a while. Uh, you know, anybody coming into the market, the stress test makes it harder, but I think it's largely done its work of depressing prices. So for those reasons, unless something changes like, uh, you know, an oil driven inflationary recession where everybody moves to Alberta from Vancouver for the jobs, every other sector's weak and interest rates rise, you know, something like that, of course, could 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 wreak havoc on the market here. Uh, but if, if things keep keep chugging along. The only challenge, again, I see uh, is the uh, fact that we do have a lot of condo completions to get absorbed. Uh, but I think some of them must be completing you know, every month, and, and, and they're not, not making much of a dent in, in terms of growing inventory. In fact, inventory is shrinking. We we had a uh, Andre Pavlov on the program recently, and he said the the and we actually had you guys debate in a former episode, yes. which was great. Um, he said the the biggest risk to the market is is more government intervention. Do you think he's right? No, <laughs> I think, <laughs> no. I, I I think the re, you know obviously I, I think rent control was excessive. I think you know when you had you know a lot of economists think rent control is just a terrible idea, full stop, because it discourages investment in rental housing. I think CPI plus two percent was not crazy. I think just plain old CPI had has to be a, a discouragement to invest in rental housing. You know you have a growing asset, and now you don't get any growth uh, unless you can get rid of a tenant, and then you know so you have disincentive to build, incentive to throw out tenants. Uh, but even, you know, assuming CPI bumps historically isn't that much discouragement, I don't think, for rental investment. So, and I also would be very surprised if the NDP started, you know, slapping a lot more taxes on, you know, because they, they don't want to see a crash in the end of the construction boom here, and they're trying to get rental built. So I, I don't think government intervention is a big risk to the market. The reason Vancouver's expensive is because we it's a great place to live. It's well-governed, uh, and it's really hard to build here, both because of zoning and because of mountains and oceans. The zoning's getting liberalized. I think that's, you know, a risk if you opened up the entire area uh, to con though that that's gotta you know be depressing to condo prices but government intervention in the form of you know further taxes on empty homes you know a bit of a raise in property taxes i'd be very surprised if that was the uh, thing that killed the market so it, it's just thinking here about looming inventory i think uh we're probably on the same page there that the a lot of the the new construction that seems to be coming to market gets absorbed without uh any sort of uh challenges for sellers and it does seem like you know people were talking uh seems like 6 months to a year ago now about how challenging it was going to be for people to complete on properties and that doesn't seem to have come to pass or or the screaming deals and assignments which I think the the best deals I usually see are at cost, right? Like people not mm-hmm. taking a taking a, a profit there. But but so none of if if none of those are the issues, and then you mentioned kind of the the recession as as a threat. Um, are, are there any other large threats that you see uh, looking at the market in the next kind of six to twelve months? Well, you've got supply, you've got demand. So, you know, what could happen on the demand side? Nothing's going to happen to immigration. 
you know, maybe coronavirus, if, you know, if 10% of the market dies, uh, obviously that would have a dampening effect on demand. Uh, if, if money starts, stops coming out of Asia, you know, maybe coronavirus, uh, plus all this trade stuff back and forth breaks the back uh, of the Chinese economy. I think, you know, money from China, even if it's, you know, going to people who live here is still probably a factor in our market. Uh, obviously, you know, the Iran is a source of immigration. So, you know, you could see a story uh, where, where money stops flowing out of overseas countries. But, you know, I'm grasping at straws here. I, I don't see you know, uh, imminent, imminent problems, you know, recession would be one and, and inventory is the other. I don't see interest rates jumping, but again, you know, I have nothing intelligent to say about interest rates. I never thought, you know, in 2007 that we'd be looking at even lower interest rates 13 years later. Right, right. Tom, what about uh, insurance deductibles rising? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Do you, do you see that as an issue <laughs> for the condo market? That that's a great one that I missed. You're absolutely right about that. Uh, it seems like there's a pullback uh, in the in interest in insuring things. I mean, insurance isn't a huge number, I don't think, uh, as an expense. You know, it's not like as big as your mortgage payment. So if you know we have doubling of insurance rates or tripling even for two years, I don't think that would destroy the market. It's obviously inconvenient and annoying. Um, and I, and I, you know, I have, I, I sort of tweeted trying to look for the real answer to the question, like are rental buildings in trouble too? Is it flood risk? Right. What exactly is going on here? Uh, I, I'd like to understand that issue better. And I, I think, you know, obviously you have to be able to insure buildings or else mortgage lending doesn't work. So, you know, I'd, I'd put that out there as a risk factor. I'd be surprised if it if it clobbered the market, because I just think somebody's going to be willing to, to, to insure against this stuff for not too much more than they have historically. Uh, but, you know, no insurance, uh, <laughs> no condos. Right. And, you know, it's funny because we – some of the recent sales we've been involved with on the condo market, like I had a client who's – who just purchased where the insurance deductible, the water deductible went from 35000 to to 100000 which actually seems <laughs> kind of minor. Or for the course almost now. <laughs> yeah, or, or not. He was like, oh, it only went to 100 But actually, his the, the amount that he was paying annually, I was actually surprised at how little it actually went up. Like, so it's really that deductible... Um, mm. You know, when you get, I think the risk where people are self-insuring. If yeah, it, it seems if you like can't get the rider to cover the the deductible, like say the water deductible. Um, I think a lot of the insurance companies are only only covering up to a hundred thousand. Right? There's a few that are doing up to five hundred thousand or so, but I think that's going to change. So if you find people in a position of self-insuring to the tune of 150 or 300 thousand dollars, or or potentially yeah. even more. Yeah, it's not that annual yeah. cost as much as the 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 risk of not not having the uh, risk of creating yeah a leak you know I mean earthquake is a terrible risk and I think people are very underinsured on earthquake around here yeah you know I, I you know I, people tend to that <laughs> probably understate those catastrophic risks but deductibles are great by the way <laughs> you know you, you don't you don't want to you know cover yourself for a ten thousand uh, dollar water loss it's the catastrophic stuff that matters mm-hmm. right right mm-hmm. right but it sounds like uh, if if you were to guess this this plays itself out without uh, you know some minor inconveniences and but nothing nothing kind of catastrophic for the market. You know, I want to be a little bit careful. This global warming stuff is scary. I mean, you know, Australia didn't just burn down. I don't think residential losses were very large. 
but it looks like maybe that was a near miss. Mm-hmm. You know, global sea level. I think Antarctica is melting, uh, which I think would be a significant problem for you know parts of uh, you know parts of the lower mainland. So I, I don't want to write off that insurance issue in the moderately short horizon, but just. As a matter of economics, the risk hasn't changed dramatically around Vancouver, I don't think. You know, may, maybe some of the new buildings, they're going to notice uh, construction defects. You know, there was leaky condo. You know, maybe we'll discover what the new leaky condo is of these new buildings. Uh, but, you know, for an existing building, nothing much has changed. So I, I, I'd be surprised to see prices, you know, rise by thousands of percentages, which they would have to for it to be a, a dramatic problem in the market, I would think. And and maybe as a as a last question, Tom, I know you're really up to up to speed on on what's going on in the city. You mentioned this kind of li- more a uh, liberal uh, liberal zoning policy. Um, just a general question about where we're at. Like, what are your what are your thoughts on the city uh, and how and where we're moving in the kind of the last year? Is it changing uh, quite dramatically in your mind? Is 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 it changing quick enough? Uh, where are we at? Well, a couple of points. And by the way, I want to flag pre-sales as a discussion topic for the end, because, you know, that, that that's something we haven't really covered is, I think, as far as I know, that's still a very weak market. So you can rezone all you want, but if nobody wants to build condos, you're left with rentals, right. which are, are tough to make work uh, in the short run, uh, even if you get the zoning, just because, you know, uh, cap rates people apply to new deals or, or it's just just tough to make work economically given land costs but uh, your question I think we do see changes uh, in the landscape that are pretty dramatic I thought Larch Street was a really interesting case where you had a zoning hearing where I didn't hear almost any support for this project that was five or six stories in a you know uh, sort of fringe between apartment and uh, single family neighborhood in Kitsilano. All the neighbors hated it. It was affluent, influential people who live in the area, and council told them to get lost, and you know they they forced them to accept this taller building than would normally be allowed. And when you see that happen, it's just hard for me to see if somebody proposes townhomes in Dunbar uh, or an apartment, you know, where it doesn't belong in a single family neighborhood, especially on the west side. This council doesn't seem that interested in hearing neighbors complain about the inconvenience it's going to cause them in the midst of an affordability mess uh, that's not just a crisis, but a long term problem. And I think that's absolutely the right attitude. Of course, we still have some very conservative councils like in West Vancouver uh, in the district of North Vancouver. But I think, you know, given where we are generationally and the number of people looking for homes who aren't even close to being able to afford single family, the thing where 70% of Vancouver and who knows what percent of the suburbs land is devoted to unaffordable homes, that's just, you know, it, it seems ripe for change. And, and that's terrific. Uh, but in the long run, you know, it's a risk for condo pricing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it is interesting that uh, that the culture does seem to have. That, that's our impression, I think, as well. That the culture seems to have shifted quite dramatically. But maybe maybe moving to presale because you're right. If if you can upzone all you want, but if it doesn't make sense, <laughs> um, who cares? Yeah. So presale. You know, the last I had checked, you know, prices in presales 
I, I don't understand in a way how there's no problem with the inventory getting absorbed, you know, uh, because I just don't, I, I don't, you tell me, but I don't think the new buildings when they're completed, are they reselling successfully at the presale prices? You mentioned that's what the assignments are listed for, but you know, Vancouver house is done. I imagine people could sell now if you sold in Vancouver house, would you be close to the presale price? I think it depends on the, on the price point, like the price bracket. Yeah. But yeah, and also, it, it, and a lot of the pre-sales, we're looking at the numbers. It really depends, uh, obviously, when in the cycle they bought, but also which submarket they bought in, right? Because yeah. there's uh, there are there are submarkets though where people are are up even from from uh, even from, from kind of the, even the from what felt like peak, yeah, yeah. peak yeah. times for sure. It's, it seems like like I'm just thinking of two properties I've been looking at recently in Burnaby. One. Uh, both bought in late 2017 and, and one completing very soon and one quite a bit, uh, out. Uh, and the, the one he's, he's the sell, the, or the guy who owns it right now is, is, or is completing on it is definitely up. Uh, but the other one is like a one bedroom that they paid like almost 1200 a foot for. And I mean, it's lucky they got a year or two left, but, uh, there's no way that that thing is not worth 1200 a foot it's probably worth under a thousand a foot i would guess yeah and vancouver house uh you know just thinking anecdotally the, right before it completed the, the right before assignments got cut off we were seeing some sales in there that were selling basically at cost um, mm-hmm. of what somebody paid um now we're starting it, it's it's kind of like the verdict's not in yet really because yeah. it's but it's, vancouver house i think was totally now everybody's pre-sold in like early 2015 well, it was, it was just, done it was, right it was, yeah. it was, so there had been a there was ago. a huge run yeah and it, again it's very product specific a lot of the yeah. like i think we're kind of waiting to see what the what the larger two beds and the more premium product in the building will sell for now that it's there right but but, but like you say if it's 2015 and that's a good point we don't learn too much it's the class of 18 you'd think where the risk shows up but again sure. it's sub market specific mm-hmm. uh, as you say you know maybe further east and you know and we'll see because uh, it sure does look like uh, I, I'm guessing it's the the lower you are in the uh, price point, the stronger the recovery has been in the last few months. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's interesting though because we've had we've talked about just recently like projects that still in Surrey, say for example, if it's the right type of product for say investors or for end users, or if they can keep it within a price within a price margin, they're selling very quickly. Mm. Uh, like, yeah, so like there's been some real successful. There's been pre-sales. some real successful pre-sales in a, in a lot of the submarkets. It's just it's it's creating the right tr- type of product for the market in a lot of cases as well, right? Well, really investor friendly stuff too. Mm-hmm. I, I think another hindrance to the pre-sale starts, and you can tell me, and I hear this, you know, from a couple of developers, is more uncertainty about where the market is. Then it doesn't make sense to proceed. You know, you control the land. Uh, you'll certainly sell them for more than construction cost. Uh, but you don't want to be uh, a sucker and sell for too little, but you can't get the price you could get a couple of years ago. Uh, so I would think there's probably an issue of price discovery in that market uh, that people want to know, uh, you know, w- what exactly they can sell at. And I'm guessing for the luxury condo market, you don't really know because you don't have a lot of comps going right now. Mm-hmm. That's just it. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll go back to single family. I'll just throw one more line in. You know, yeah. uh, I have always said with the single family zoning, I think we're going to look back on it the way we look at insane asylums and probably the way we'll look at nursing homes. Like, I can't believe we did that as a society. 
you know, like uh, you throw away you know, somebody with mental illness and, you know, treat yeah. them poorly or do the same thing just because they're old. Uh, and, uh, you know, single family locking so many people out of such big parts of the metro area. It's a big policy change government can take. I think it would have in, you know, the intermediate horizon, you know, the, you could get a lot of pre-sales cooking uh, and a lot of inventory coming on the market, not in, not within a couple of years. It takes time for that stuff to roll, roll out, but over a decade. And uh, probably it's going to come. But, you, you know, you never know. It's something that's been around a long time. I don't think it ever really made a lot of sense uh, and it hasn't changed. But, uh, you know, you, you watch council hearings and, and there does seem to be a change. And, and maybe in keeping in uh, habit of, of me building straw mans for uh, Andre Pavlov, do you think that the uh, do you think that the, the best investment in Vancouver is, as he said last time he was on uh, land, single family land in, in the city of Vancouver? I do think so. You know, where exactly is, is hard to say, uh, but, you know, and I feel like, you know, boy, I wish I'd done it a while ago myself. You know, you look at East Van, the way it's taking off, but I'm guessing the market doesn't even appreciate the extent to which it's likely to, you know, uh, Hastings, Sunrise, you know, you get all these coders coming in for Amazon and Facebook and uh, whoever else is taking up space downtown, you know, I uh, you know, I think the West side, I grew up in New York city and, you know, the fancy neighborhood was the upper East side and the upper West side was where the Bohemians lived. And, uh, it's almost like a Yogi Berra thing, you know, nobody wanted to be uh, within the fancy neighborhood because they couldn't afford it. So, you know, the hipness then moves, moves West. That, that's what happened in New York. And I think, um, in Vancouver, it may be the opposite. I mean, the, the natural appeal of the West side, I think, is much preferable to the East side. It's hard to argue. Uh, but I think the hitness is, is happening on the East side. And, and you know, how is it not going to continue to gentrify in East Van? So, right. you know, I, 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 I am guessing there is still money to be made there. But again, subject to the macro economy, not, not turning in an unfavorable way. Right. Well, and we're seeing... Uh, that's kind of our stomping grounds, and and single family under one point five is a very very even under one point seven five. Yeah, but it's a very tough market. It's, it is, and right and now. stuff further and further east seems to be priced at, you know, levels where they're daring somebody to buy it and and they're selling. So so there you go. Yeah. La- last question for you, Tom. Out of the current council, who's Nurse Ratchet? <laughs> well, that's an easy one. You know, my, uh, I, I think she doesn't live far from me. Uh, that would be, uh, of course, you're alluding to, I think that's one flew over the cuckoo's nest, <laughs> is the uh, nurse ratchet. And, you know, you don't want to be gender biased. So, you know, you could call it Dr. Evil if you want to be a little more neutral. Right. Uh, but, you know, th- there's two really showing up uh, as, as non-progressive. The sort of surprise winner in the NIMBY fight uh, is, uh, is Gene Swanson, who I think has voted against more projects than anybody else on council, because, right. you know, the view is if it's not all social housing, it doesn't perform a function. Now, given you have 11 people on council, I guess with the mayor, you know, or 12, whatever it is, uh, that's fine. You know, one vote that just every single time an issue comes up says, what are we doing for poor people and the homeless? I think it's great to have that represented on council as long as it, you know you don't have self-defeating left-wing politics dominating council. Uh, but you know, from the more right-wing, hey, you know, I we're the old money here, leave us alone. I think you know, and, and I think I know uh, um, 
Colleen Hardwick thinks of herself differently as a geographer and a planner and somebody who's trying to bring people together and just doesn't want to be uh, abused and sell the city to developers. I, I think you can tell a story where it's coming from a good place. Uh, but, you know, if you look at some of the statements about density, I think I think encouraging NIMVs to, to show up and complain about how it's not fair that they have to live near apartments when people are willing to pay millions of dollars not only to live near the apartment, but live in the apartment. You know, it's just not not the right direction to go. So, you know, I'll try not to say too many bad things, but I, I wish she would see the light because I think she's capable of it. I think she's an educated person who has deep roots uh, in politics here. So, you know, we'll hope for better. Well, well, maybe we'll leave it there. But Tom, how can people find out more about what you're doing? Well, they can go to blogs.ubc.ca slash Davidoff, or you can just look me up on uh, the internet or Twitter or Facebook. Uh, I'm around. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the next research coming up, which is exciting, is on uh, the physical shape of cities and uh, what makes different cities grow. That'll be dropping soon, as they say. Uh, and some stuff on reverse mortgage design that I'm uh, finally finishing up. Uh, which I got to tell you, if you're uh, in, in in it for a nap, you'll you'll be there. But if you're a mortgage nerd, uh, I've got a, a Brookings paper on bundling life annuities and reverse mortgages, which I think is great stuff. But uh, I would certainly understand uh, m- many people not finding deeply it, exciting. Is your paper is the uh, is the co-authored paper on uh, which areas are are most um Ripe for density. Ripe, not for density, but for for the laneways, the increased uh, or oh, the right. light well, density. Oh, right. Well, we got that paper. Yeah, that paper's out. With you know, uh, for the Vancouverites, uh, the most interesting new paper is uh, a paper uh, where Sur and Andre did a lot of the heavy lifting. But I'm quite proud of the title. Not in my neighbor's backyard. Uh, <laughs> about uh, the impact of laneway homes on adjacent properties. Well, we'll have to. We'll have to. Is that is that. that a JSTOR one, or is that available for people to to read publicly? You know, I think we've posted it on uh, UBC. I'm not looking at the site now, but if you just uh, we'll, we'll look find up it. David off Pavlov Somerville, not in my neighbor's backyard, you'll find it. <laughs> and I'll, I'll give you the short. I'll give you the short answer. Uh, on average, laneway homes don't have much adverse impact on neighboring property values, but at the higher end of the market, we find they do. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, maybe we'll leave it there. Thanks so much again for your time, Tom. It's uh, always enlightening and uh, thought-provoking. Likewise. I'll talk to you guys soon, I hope. Okay. Take care. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Tom Davidoff, professor at the University of British Columbia's Sauter School of Business. Really enjoyed our conversation with Tom, Matt, and uh, what a great joke about uh, not in my neighbor's backyard. Yeah, that was uh, pretty good. It was pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> the other interesting thing, I think, was, uh, you know, with reservations, Tom seems quite bullish on the market in yes. 2020. Yeah, you know, it, we've had him on over the t- over the course of about the last four or five years. He's felt differently about the market on almost every show that we've had him on about. But yeah, this I felt like he he thought the market was going to do quite well in 2020. I'd be surprised if uh, he said if somebody thought otherwise. That's right. That. That's right. So interesting stuff as always. What else do we have, Adam? We got first off 
We sent out a featurette yesterday. We did. A featurette. Is that what it's called? A featurette. I don't know. Secret. What did you call it? Uh, it's probably a featurette. Um, but you know what? Here's the thing. We have a deal. It's in Langford. It's uh, called Pinnacle. These are cash flow properties. They are already, a lot of them are already tenanted. Like it's about as turnkey as you can get, well, starting at, at 279900 yeah. for one beds. And uh, that market, really low vacancy rate, really high employment. It's like proximity to Victoria, same proximity as like Burnaby to Vancouver. And a lot of people like to think of it as uh, the Surrey of Victoria because it's the fastest growing municipality in BC. In fact, it overtook Surrey. I was going to say, here's the thing. It's actually growing faster. And uh, check out that featurette if you're interested. We're always available. But head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We have that featurette up. BC's... Secret. What is the title? BC's Next Investment Opportunity, colon, the pinnacle in Langford, BC. Why aren't you always on the show? <laughs> yeah. BC's Next Podcast host right there. Uh, but head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. They're headed out on a tour on Saturday. Right. These tours are a lot of fun. I've been on them. Verdict's out if Adam's going on Saturday or not. But I'll tell you one thing. They're super informative a lot of fun, and these investments are are really exciting. So yeah. check that out. That's this Saturday, February 22nd. What else do we got, Adam? Yeah, Matt, before we cut for the day, I just want to remind people that we are doing Vancouver Real Estate Live, live over on YouTube. These past episodes are still available. You can go over and check them out on YouTube at our YouTube channel, which is Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. And also, we're recording these interviews as well. So have a look. Except for the one with Tom. No, we didn't. Rec- no, Tom was via phone. <laughs> Uh, we didn't record that one, but uh, most of them are over there. It's a lot of fun. I feel like it's something totally new and unique to this market, yes. and I'm so excited to be a part of it. So uh, hopefully you'll be excited to be a part of it as well. Yeah, and shout out too to uh, Ramey from RameyFilms.com, a uh, video marketing guy who's really, he was like, he he really got us onto this live thing. And he did. And thank I'm, you, Ramey, for that, because uh, what an awesome job and what an awesome studio. Well, and the quality, it's like you're, you look like a way less attractive Brad Pitt. I know, and uh, <laughs> I feel like a way, I feel, even, you know, if you think I look tired in these. Wait till you see me in real life. Because <laughs> Ramey makes me... I, You know, here's the thing. I think, honestly, coming out of these things, I'm always like, the camera's too... Like, it's crazy. It's I'm like, I didn't even yeah. know I... I, know. I I had all those burst blood we, vessels we, under my eyes. <laughs> we need like yeah, some sort of blurred, uh, yeah. blurred vision. Yeah, Ramy, can't you get any softener on that face, <laughs> Matt? <laughs> but what else? Uh, okay, here's the last thing we got for the day. I'm yes. sure it's our website, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. This is where all the episodes live. We also have tons of resources, like our weekly mailer. We're sending out assignments. We got deal of the month. Right. We got all the stats and stats that nobody else has. We also got that research tool, Private Client Services. Yeah, Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor-level information at your fingertips. It's free. It's available on our website, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And I got to tell you, we've tried them all. This is the best way to search for real estate in Vancouver. And I got to say, Adam, uh, last but not least, we have... Fantastic resource tools. There's no obligation, no yes. cost. But one thing is, we are realtors. We, are. we do buy and sell real estate in the greater Vancouver area. We've been doing this for four or five years now on the show, and I'm consistently talking to people that don't understand or think we're too busy. Uh, we are realtors. We'd love to help. 
Yes, right? absolutely. And this you is, can, you this can is what get, we do. Get in touch and we can help you buy and sell real estate in Vancouver. Um, we also have a great team of agents that we work in other cities or municipalities. So we can connect you to somebody that we've vetted that we know is absolutely a great fit. So, That's right. So don't hesitate to get in touch. You can call me at any time, 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We also have that auditioning for the next best podcast voice. Info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Hand over your buff. The tribe has spoken. Yeah, you're fired. <laughs> have a good week, guys. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.